Well, if you got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Come on, I got my cane with me today. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is really a, a shepherd's staff. A shepherd's staff. And I'm going to talk to you today about those shepherds in Luke chapter 2. If you're, if you're taking notes, note takers are history makers. Um, but if you're taking notes, just title this message, Hope Dealers. Hope Dealers. And turn to the person next to you and say, what are you dealing what are you dealing? Some of y'all been dealing some stuff that's not great, but listen, today you're going to start dealing hope. And if you're looking for hope, you came to the right place. I know some dealers in the house today. They can hook you up with some hope. Hook you up with some hope. If you got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 2, verse 8. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now, we got this whole stage set up for the Christmas production this week, so I figured I would just use the whole stage for my sermon. And I, listen, I used to be in these productions. I love, I still miss being an actor in these productions. As a kid, I always wanted a speaking part, and my dad would never let them give me a speaking part. I don't think he trusted me with the microphone back then, but uh, he would tell Pastor Ryan Stafford, he'd say, cast, cast Paul is one of the shepherds, you know, with no speaking part, just one of the shepherd boys. And I was like, why do I have to be a shepherd? But later on, I started to realize that the shepherds are pretty important, you know? And um, I remember as a shepherd, I would always overplay my role. I was like really big expressions. I was showing up in scenes I wasn't even supposed to be in. And, you know, Ryan had to take me to the side. He's like, bro, it's not about you. You're not the main character. I was like, who's it about? He's like, Jesus. And I was like, okay, all right, but shepherds are pretty important, right? He's like, yeah, but you got to know your role, Paul, not Paul, Paul, you got to know your role. Once I knew it, once I realized that shepherds have this important part to play, I started realizing this is what we're called to do. We're called to be hope dealers. The shepherds would receive the hope and then they would deal the hope out to the people that needed it. They would receive the light. They would receive this message of victory, this message of Jesus, and they would share it with the whole town. So watch this. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock. Never trust a shepherd that doesn't smell like sheep. So these shepherds, they were with the sheep. They were with the flock. They were hanging out. They were greeting each other in the lobby. They were spending time at the altar. They were with each other. The shepherds are with the sheep. And the angel of the Lord appears in the middle of the night. You know, I think about how those angels, they interrupted those shepherds at work. They interrupted them with a message of good news. They interrupted them with a message of light and hope. Our world is dark right now. In fact, I want to just bring the lights down. Our world has gotten dark and dark and darker. And this last week, I was tracking with the news. And as I was looking at the news, I started seeing worse things. And I don't know if y'all heard about this story of Balenciaga and these, you know, just, just crazy stuff that's going on in our world and Twitter files and the news. And then this last week, a seven-year-old kidnapped and murdered. And I was watching the news of just terrible things going on. I was like, man, our world is so dark. What a crazy time to be raising kids right now. But then I was reminded of this light. This is what Christmas is all about, this Advent season. And Advent is the term we use in the church calendar leading up towards Christmas, four weeks leading up towards Christmas. That these four words we focus in on, these four candles we light, the candle of hope, that Jesus came to bring us hope in a hopeless world. 
the candle of peace, that he came to interrupt our chaos, our division, our strife, our anger, our hostility with peace. The candle of love, that he came to interrupt this world of hatred and anger and unforgiveness and guilt and shame with his love. And then that final week towards Christmas, the candle of joy, that he came to bring joy to a world of depression, a world of discouragement, defeat, that he came to relight that fire of joy in our hearts. And this week, as I was focused on all of these negative news and stories out there that were so just dark, and I was thinking, man, what a dark world we live in. I was reminded how important the church is in this hour, that as the world gets darker, the church is going to shine brighter, that this candle is going to light this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. That those shepherds, they were watching their flock and it was dark outside. But then the angel of the Lord appeared to them. I want to bring the lights back up. When the angel showed up, the light showed up. The light showed up and it lit up the sky. And, and, and the shepherds were terrified, right? They're, 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 they're terrified because this light is interrupting their darkness. I wonder how many of you need to be interrupted right now in your season. Some of you are, inter- Some of you are in a season of darkness, depression, discouragement, fear, defeat, Some of you have gotten comfortable. I imagine these shepherds, they were comfortable in their routine. They were comfortable in the dark. They were comfortable. The light was an interruption to what they were used to in that moment. And yet when the angels interrupted them, it says in verse 10, the angels' first words was, do not be afraid. That's a word for us today. Do not be afraid. You can't deal hope unless you have hope. You can't be a hope dealer, a hope giver, if you don't have hope at all. And so this, this first word that the angel says, do not be afraid. One of the first ways we receive hope is we release fear. Fear is, is knocking at the door of so many people's hearts right now. This sense of how am I going to make it? Inflation is going up, gas stations and prices for toys and clothes and school. And I don't know how I'm going to get through this season. How do I pay the bills? How do I even dream? I don't even have money. I don't have a budget to dream big anymore. But the angel said to the shepherds, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Come on, God has good news for us. Here's what I know about hope dealers. They always interrupt the conversation with good news. I'm looking at some angels in the room today. Just touch that person next to you and say, you just got touched by an angel. You just got touched by an angel. And you know what the angels had to say? They had good things to say. When you're in a conversation where it's just negative news, discouraging news, gossip, slander, just people putting other people down, interrupt it with good news. I was at a coffee shop this morning and I was sitting to the side. I just got my coffee. I was getting ready for our 9 a.m. service and I felt the Holy Spirit just tugging my heart, speak some good news to that barista. So I walked over to the guy who was making my coffee and just started talking to him about life, asking him how he was doing, where he's from, and just started encouraging him. And I could tell his face turned from sad and mad and grumpy and coffee snobby to happy. And it was, it was the conversation. I was changing his demeanor just with the conversation of life. Hope dealers, they change the atmosphere. These angels change the atmosphere. They begin to speak good news. Everybody say good news. 
They say, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy. Hope dealers bring great joy into the atmosphere. They don't let a doom and gloom atmosphere and mentality settle in. They bring great joy. Peace to all mankind. Today in the town of David, the town of David, God promised that through David's lineage, he would bring the Messiah. Now, David was the great-grandson of Ruth and Boaz. How many of y'all have been here during the Wonderful World series? We talked about Ruth and Boaz and how Ruth was a widow. She was a Moabite woman. Boaz was the son of a prostitute. And these two came together. They got married. They had Obed, then Jesse, then David. This family tree that Jesus would come through, it was a family tree made up of a lot of dysfunctional family members. You had murderers, adulterers, thieves, greedy people, angry people. You had people that just were messed up. The family tree, no wonder Jesus died on a tree. Because I think he was dying for his family tree. But I think that family tree represented you and me and all of our families and all of us and all of our sins. That Jesus would come. This is what the angel said. I got good news for you. Jesus, today has come to you in the town of David. The Savior has been born, your Savior, a Savior for shepherds and kings, for the rich and the poor, for black men and white men, for Asian and Hispanic and Native American, for young and old, for the person who slept under a bridge last night and the guy who slept in a mansion, for the people who've been divorced and married four, five, six, seven times, for every single person, Jesus has come for you. For God so loved the world He gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts begin appearing in the sky. It wasn't just one angel. It was tons of angels. And they start singing, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those whom his favor rest. Hope was interrupting the shepherds that night. Hope wants to interrupt your life today. I want to look at one more scripture. Romans 15, verse 13. Paul the Apostle, he was speaking to new believers and people who were interested in faith, and he said, may the God of hope, that's the very beginning of the scripture, may the God of hope. I'm so glad we don't serve a God of depression. We don't serve a God of doom and gloom. Everybody's going to die. There's no good days in front of you. We serve a God of hope. We serve a God of hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, fill you with all joy. This is a connection to Luke 2, verse 10. In that same scripture, hope is connected to joy and peace. You can't have hope if you don't have joy and peace. And where does it come from? Where does it all come from? It comes from Jesus, but so often we're searching for it in other places. You know, I took my boys to um, come and go gas station this last week, and I still love Quick Trip. I'm still with you, Quick Trip, but I went to come and go, and... Um, Got a big gulp for all the kids. And I took them over to the dispensary. You know, like the fountain machine. Not the cannabis dispensary, but. <laughs> Come on, we're getting high on the most high. But uh, we, got, we got our big gulps and we stick it in there and we're, you know, filling up on Gatorade and Sprite and we got lemonade and, and it starts overflowing in that machine. Well, Jesus, after he was born, 30 years later, he would go to a well, a dispensary. He would go to a place where people would fill up. 
And he would meet a woman who had been in four or five marriages. She's living with a guy who's not her husband. And Jesus doesn't condemn her. He doesn't get on to her. He doesn't say, you terrible sinner. He just talks to her. And, and, and she's filling up her drink there at noontime. And Jesus says, give me something to drink. And she said, why are you a Jew asking me, a Samaritan woman, for something to drink? And he said, if you knew who was talking to you, you would be asking me for something to drink. She said, you don't have a jar to draw in this well. And besides, what, what do you have to offer? This is Jacob's well. Jesus says, you will always be thirsty if you keep on filling up from the wrong source. If you're filling your hope up from a marriage, you're going to be disappointed. If you're filling your hope up from having children, you're going to be disappointed. A spouse can't fix a hole in your heart. Another boyfriend, a one-night stand, it's not going to satisfy you. You could, get, you could go to all the dispensaries. You can get as much as you want, but you'll always be empty. This is why Paul said, may the God of hope fill you with great joy and peace so that you may overflow. Everybody say overflow. Now, some of us, we're not dealing hope because we don't have much hope right now. You could be in the church and be missing out on the fountain of living water. You can be close to the well, but not be filling up on the right source. You can fill up on religion. You can make Jesus a checklist in your week, or you can come to the well of living water and you can receive hope that begins to overflow. This is what the shepherds were experiencing. They were experiencing overflow hope. They were so excited that night. They had tasted and seen that the Lord was good, that he was worthy of their attention and their focus. Is Jesus a checklist in your week or is he the source of your hope? My hope is not in President Biden. My hope is not in the government. My hope is not in the economy or inflation or gas station. My hope is not in what you can do for me or what you say to me. My hope is not in your affirmation. My hope is in a sustainable fountain of living water and he's more than enough. He can satisfy me on my worst day, on my best day. When I feel rejected and discouraged, his hope is still available. The shepherds realized this hope was available to them. And so once they heard it, go back to Luke chapter 2. Once they heard it, the angels left them. In verse 15, the shepherds looked at one another and they say, hey, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. This was incredible. Let's go see what this good news is all about. Let's go see what this message is all about. And so they hurried off. They hurried off at once. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger, just as they had been told. When they saw Jesus, when they encountered Jesus, when they experienced the Advent candle of hope, when they experienced that the Messiah had come for them, they went and they shared it with everyone they encountered. Lord, I pray that you would stir that message in us today. Lord, that we would begin to overflow with a hope that we can't help but share with others. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. amen. Thank you, Carlos. Give it up for Carlos back there and the worship team. Come on, Carlos. Carlos, are you single? You single? All right. Ladies, he's on the market, right? Okay. Um, everybody say hope dealers, hope dealers. All right, so the definition of hope, the, the, the world's definition of hope, there's a worldly hope and then there's a heavenly hope. Worldly hope says what you desire will come to pass. Worldly hope is like wishful thinking. 
I hope that the OU Sooners have a better year next year. I hope that the OSU Cowboys have a better season. I hope Alabama doesn't get moved down into the top four. I hope Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl. I hope, see you got, that, that's, that's worldly hope, right? And we get excited. We're like, if it happens, great. But heavenly hope is confident expectation. It's not just wishful thinking. It's a deep down confidence that what God promised, he will do. That if God said it, he's going to do it. That if God gave it to us, and by the way, in scripture, there are 7,000 promises of God. 7,000 promises. There's a promise from heaven for every day of the year, every hour of the day. God has promises for you and for me, for our families, for our children. He promises to be with us. He promises to bless us. He promises to protect us. He promises to provide for us. He promises that he's going to be there for us no matter what we go through, that he's close to the brokenhearted. And that's important for hope-filled people because if I'm gonna be a hope dealer, I've gotta stake my hope in a foundation that is secure no matter what's going on around me. I've got to get my candle lit from a hope that's not of this world. I've got to find my hope like those shepherds from a heavenly source. Why should we have hope? Hopeful people are happier people. Hopeful people carry a greater joy inside them. You can't be a hopeful person without joy inside you. And, and, and hopeful people, they bring life to the atmosphere. Hopeful people, they know how to make it through hard times. Hopeful people, they have a tree of life growing on the inside of the momentum that no matter what comes my way, I'm going to make it and my best days are still in front of me. God is not finished with my story. Hopeful people carry other people through hard times. That's why we got to have hope because this world is hopeless. And if you've ever been in a hopeless place before, you know what it's like to get hope back in your life. So how do we get hope back? Hope just like faith, comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I've got to hear the word of God. I've got to listen to the stories of people in the Bible who were in hopeless situations and God showed up. I can't just rely on the hope of what you say or what other people say or what the world says. I've got to get my hope in the word of God. Hope comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As I go through scripture and I start seeing how God provided for Abraham, for Isaac, for Jacob, for Gideon when he had 300 men and he had to face 300,000 soldiers, for Mary, a virgin girl, and Joseph, how God provided for Elizabeth and Zechariah and Hannah who was barren, how God gave her a baby. When I begin to feed my ears on the word of God, all of a sudden hope begins to grow. I remember hearing this story about this pastor in South Korea named Dr. Cho. And uh, he started this church out of his living room in Seoul, South Korea, in a time when, when there was hardly any churches at all in South Korea. And he got saved. He started leading some of his family members to Christ. And he started telling them, I'm pregnant. And they're like, no, you're not pregnant. Men cannot get pregnant. Come on, you still cannot get pregnant in 2022 if you're a man. It's getting controversial out there these days. <laughs> uh, but they, he said, I am pregnant with hope and a vision from heaven that God is going to give us a church in Seoul, South Korea. Well, as he began to stir that hope up, hope comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Sure enough, God blessed him with a church. Then that church grew. Then they started more churches. Today, a million people are a part of that church in Seoul, South Korea, the largest church in the world. It started with hope.
Secondly, hope comes by renewing our minds. When you're in a hopeless, negative state, you've got to get your thoughts fixed back on what does God have to say? Stop being a trash can for the devil to just throw trashy thoughts in your mind that your life is terrible, that it's just never going to get better, that your best days are behind you, that things are never going to turn around, that no one likes you, that God's not for you. Begin to renew your mind with thoughts of victory, thoughts of hope, thoughts of expectancy that God is going to do something good. You know, across the street at Oral Roberts University, I remember um, going to school there and on our gymnasium floor, it said, something good is going to happen to you today. That was a declaration that Oral used to say. He used to just de- declare it, right? And we listened to weathermen and they, they tell us what's gonna happen in Oklahoma. We just don't trust anything. Unless it's Travis Myers, we're like, I don't know. The weather could be 80 degrees, and then by evening, it's like 15 degrees. It's crazy. It's unpredictable. But we have a father who is predictable in his word. 700 prophecies before Jesus would come, and every single prophecy was fulfilled. What he says he's going to do, he's going to do it. You can trust him. You can lean on his word. And y'all, the, church, the world right now needs this hope more than ever. The world is searching for hope right now. I don't know what's an enemy in your life to your hope, but I know what enemies are in my life for my hope. One of the biggest things that comes after my hope is disappointment. I plan on something happening a certain way, and when it doesn't, I'm disappointed. I'm expecting something to happen a certain way, and when it doesn't, I'm disappointed. Secondly, it's disillusionment. Proverbs 13 says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. That when I'm disillusioned, when things don't go the way that I was thinking they were going to go, or in the timing that they thought, I thought they would happen, I start getting disillusioned, and hope deferred makes the heart sick. When you meet someone who's brokenhearted, typically it's because of some hope deferred in their life. Something they were hoping was going to happen didn't happen, or it didn't happen the way they were thinking it was going to They're let down by life. Thirdly, it's discouragement. I'm just discouraged. People just keep discouraging me. Life keeps discouraging me. My hope has been robbed. Fourthly, it's doubt. Doubt comes. Questioning, can God do this? When Zechariah was visited by an angel and an angel said, Zechariah, you're gonna have a child and his name will be John the Baptist, right? Before Jesus was born, his cousin John the Baptist would come and he would come through an older couple who had never had children. They were told they would never be able to conceive His wife was barren, and when the angel said it to Zechariah, he doubted it could happen, and because he doubted, he lost his voice. When you begin to doubt and question, can God really do this? I don't think God could move through me. I don't think God has a plan for my family. I'm not sure God could do a miracle in my life. He did it for them, but I don't think he could do it for me. You start to lose your hope. You start to lose your sense of expectancy, and then some people have just accepted defeat, Right now, we're living in a time, the month of December is the highest month for suicides worldwide. That more people throw in the towel and just accept defeat in their life during the month of December than any other month. But here's the second highest temptation in December. The first temptation is to throw it in the towel. The second highest temptation in the month of December, statistically showing, is that people are willing to come back to church around Christmas time. They're willing to give God a chance. People are open to the idea that maybe God could save them from their depression. 
from their situation. And the two highest temptations in December, I think are connected, that people are either gonna throw in the towel or they will give God one more chance in their life. This is where the hope dealers come into play. When I realize I've been given something that the world is searching for, and when I have a cup that's overflowing because I have found my hope in Jesus, I'm able to rescue people who are about to throw in the towel. The world needs you and me. The world needs us now more than ever. So I wanna give you real quickly four ways to be a hope dealer. Once you know you've got the hope, how do you begin to share it? Number one, you've gotta look up. So many people around the world are looking down, discouraged, overwhelmed with life. But when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they didn't appear down here, right? They weren't like down in the ground, like, honey, I shrunk ourselves, you know, like little, little ant angels down there, like, find us down here. No, they were up here. Everybody say, look up. Look up. Look up where your hope comes from. Those shepherds had to look up from their discouragement. When I am overwhelmed by what's going on in 2022 in our world, when I'm grossed out, when I hear things that are happening to children in our nation and the world, and I see all of the, the darkness that's coming in, I can allow that darkness to begin to overpower my light, or I can look up and begin to realize heaven is still involved in the earth. And they're looking for shepherds like me and you that are willing to find that hope and then begin to share that hope with others. The shepherds had to look up. Everybody say, look up. Get your eyes back on God. God is still on the throne. God is still interrupting the darkness, not just 2,000 years ago, but today. He's breathing life. God sees the circumstances and the problems that are happening in your life. And he's willing to get involved if you will look up. Secondly, listen up. Listen up. These shepherds had to listen up to the angels declaring good news. We can be overwhelmed by all the voices in our life just talking negative, talking toxic. Or we can begin to listen up to what does God have to say to us right now? What is God speaking to his church right now? Hear what the Lord is saying. When you read the book of Revelation, by the way, Advent season is not just remembering that the Messiah came, it's anticipating that he's coming back again. This hope that we have in the Messiah, this peace that he came to bring, the Prince of Peace, it wasn't just for 2,000 years ago, it's for today. He's coming back again. And we've got to begin to listen up in the book of Revelation it says over and over and over, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Listen to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Get your heart in alignment with His voice. We're listening to so many things right now. When I get in my car, I have playlists that, uh, that I've made, and I was looking at the songs I've played the most this year, and they're all songs for my kids, because I'm just constantly driving my kids around, and they want, like, all their favorite songs. But then I started thinking, what am I spending so much time listening to right now? Where am I giving my ears the amount of space of hope-filled words, hope-filled thoughts? Faith comes by hearing. Hope comes by hearing. Hope comes by hearing the word of God, getting your ears in tune with what he's saying. Number three, light up. How do I become a hope dealer? I gotta light up what God has done in my life. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. 
Don't hide your light. You're a city on a hill. Don't hide your light. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light, go tell it on the mountain. Shine your light. Share the words with people around you. I remember reading this book in college called Purple Cow. And it was a very interesting book. It was by this um, business guy named Seth Godin. And he had this chapter called Sneezers. And he said, people who um, experience something they love, they talk about it with everyone they know. And they talk about it to people they don't even know. Like, think about it. When the movie Top Gun, uh, Top Gun Maverick came out this year, how many of y'all went and saw it? How many of y'all heard people talking about it at work, at school, online, um, on the news? People were talking about this movie. Why? Because they loved the movie. People were coming up to me. They were like, have you seen Top Gun? I was like, not yet. They were like, it's amazing. You got to go see it. I was like, do you work for Top Gun or something? People were like, trying, like, they were like, I can't believe you haven't seen it. I will pay for your movie ticket to go see it. I was like, who is this for? Is this for me? Is this for you? Do you work for Tom Cruise? They're like, no, I wish though. Tom Cruise is amazing. You know, I want to look like him when I'm 60. And I was listening to these people and they're talking. And then there's people who love like certain restaurants. My wife, she loves, um, she loves home goods. How many of y'all love home goods? Ashley sent me there this last week. She was like, I need you to run an errand there. I walk into home goods. I was the only male in the entire store. 150 females walking through. And they looked at me like I was an alien. They're like, what is he doing here? I thought they knew who I was. They didn't know who I was. They just saw a male in the store. They're like, men don't come in here. And I was like, I, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm here. But Ashley loves that store, right? There's places I love. I'll talk about what I love. Right now, teenagers, I hear so many teenagers talking about their favorite social media app is Be Real. And I'm like, do you work for Be Real? They're like, have you experienced Be Real? Paul, will you take my Be Real picture right now? I'm in all these people's Be Reals, and I don't have a Be Real. But I'm like, do you work for Be Real? They're talking about it all the time. Why? Because when you love something, you light up about it. When you love a girl, you talk about her all the time. When you love a guy, when you love a restaurant, when you love a movie, when you love a church, you talk about it. You light up. Hey, you got to come experience this. When the shepherds experienced the message of the angels, they went out and they began to tell everybody about it. When I remember when I was in high school, I found this pizza place I really liked called Hungry Howie's. How many of y'all been to Hungry Howie's? All right, so I went to Hungry Howie's. My man loves Hungry Howie's. Did you notice how he just lit up about Hungry Howie's? It's like, whoa, he's experienced it. Me too. First time I went there, I was like, this is incredible. Butter cheese crust, extra well done, pepperonis and pineapples. Come on, somebody, some ranch on the side. If you don't eat your pizza with ranch, I don't know what you're, like, you are missing out right now. I started telling everybody about that place. I got them 100 customers in less than a month. I was a shepherd boy. I was talking about Hungry Howie's. I was telling Bethlehem all about it. Come and see this great sight. Come experience this pizza. They started giving me free pizzas. They just gave me the Paul discount. They didn't know my last name. They didn't know I, I was from Victory or I was Billy Joe's son. They just knew I loved their stuff and I had something to say about it. Here's what, here's what God's called his church to do, to share what we've received. If Jesus is worth talking about, how often are you talking about him? When's the last time you shared Jesus with someone? When's the last time you led someone to Christ? I was with one of uh, my mentors, Pastor Larry Stockstill. He's a pastor in my life. And he asked me last uh, month, 
He said, Paul, when's the last time you heard a sermon from one of your favorite preachers? He said, tell me your favorite preacher. So I went down the list. He said, who do you, who do you listen to when you, when you listen to a podcast or a preacher? He said, when's the last time you heard a sermon all about missions and outreach and evangelism? He said, I'm not talking about an offering word, a three-minute message during the offer time. He said, I'm talking about a 50-minute sermon on missions, outreach, and evangelism. So I start pulling up their podcast. I'm scrolling through it. He's like, it's all about us getting better, becoming better, overcoming this, overcoming that. He said, I'm not against it. Those are good sermons. But the church needs to wake up. We have a mandate to share this hope that we've received. We have a commandment. Like Jesus didn't just suggest that you share hope. He wasn't like, hey, when you think about it, maybe share this message with your friends. If, if, you, if you feel good about it, preach the gospel and make disciples, but only if people aren't offended by the message of the cross. And if you think about it, maybe lay hands on the sick and see if they'll get healed. And just consider being a church that's not just about you overcoming your latest circumstance, but actually sharing the message of Jesus with Tulsa, Samaria, Judea, Jerusalem, and the ends of the earth. What if we were a church like Antioch that was raising up missionaries and outreach directors and sharing the gospel? We are that church. When Larry asked me that, Pastor Larry, I, I repented. I said, I am sorry that I have not preached more on missions. He said, now you got it. He said, every year, three, four, five times a year, plan a month where you just stir up the heart of missions, stir up that heart of being a hope dealer, sharing that hope. I want the band to come out. Y'all, we are called to share this message, and it is not a suggestion. It's a commandment. Jesus said, I command you to preach the gospel, to share the good news. There are eight billion people on the planet. Just three weeks ago, our population passed eight billion people. Just say that with me. Eight billion people. Eight billion people. So as a church, we led this year 164,000 people to Christ, which is amazing. But then I start thinking about the millions and billions of people who don't know Jesus. I start thinking about boys and girls and moms and dads and grandparents and college students who don't know Jesus, who aren't in church, who are dealing with hard things right now and they don't have a savior because someone in church has not shared the message with them. And it can't just all fall on me or a few staff members. It's all of us doing our part. It's all of us carrying this light. We are hope dealers to a world that is hopeless right now. We have a light to carry into the darkness. And hear me, church, this message is not just for you to become a better person. This message is to bring you from death to life, to bring you into hope, to promise you that you have an eternity with Jesus. There is a real heaven and there's a real hell. We are not a church that has erased hell, 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 hell. We've not erased hell or hell. <laughs> It's still real, and there's people headed there unless the church shares the good news with them. And you might go, well, Paul, that's not really, that's not politically correct in 2022. You got to keep it nice and non-offensive. The cross is offensive. Jesus bled and he died, nails through his hands, a spear in his side, a crown of thorns on his head. Y'all, we've got to share this message with people. Here's my last point right here, and if the band could come out, I want to go right into worship. Number four, lift up. When the shepherds shared the good news with all of Bethlehem, 
The last thing they did is they began to lift up songs of worship to God. They began to glorify God with their hearts and their lives. They surrendered their lives to the king. This is what the wise men did. They lifted up their offerings to God. This is a season where we need to lift up our hands, our hearts, and our lives and surrender to Jesus. To say, God, I am yours. I surrender my pride, my shame, my wants, my fears, my anger, my sin. Brokenness is the open door for God to do his best work. God is more attracted to your surrender than your success. When the shepherds surrendered to God, they were saying, Lord, you can have it all. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for the kingdom. Everything I am for the Savior. Jesus wasn't just a nice baby born in a manger that would stay right there. He would go to the cross. He would give his life for people like the woman at the well, for Zacchaeus, who had cheated people out of money, for Nicodemus, who was a secret follower of Jesus. He was religious. He lived a double life. Jesus was coming for all the men and women who needed hope. And I don't know about you, but I need hope. I need Jesus. Anyone else need Jesus in the room today? I was reflecting this last week when I was in one of the most hopeless moments of my life and hope showed up. I was helpless. If hope hadn't shown up, I would have died. There's a few moments in my life, this has happened two or three times, but one in particular, I was seven years old, Woke up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., and I heard my dad shouting, get out, get out, there's a fire, get out. So I wake up from bed, and I'm sharing my room with John, and so I start feeling through the smoke, and I can't see anything. It was so heavy smoke, and John got out of the room, and Sarah got out, and my mom and dad, and then my mom said, Billy Joe, Ruthie's still in the house. Go back and get Ruthie. So he comes through the house, and He's feeling through the smoke and he finds Ruthie, grabs her by the hair, pulls her out of the house. They got Sarah, Ruthie, John, mom, dad. And my mom goes, oh no, our youngest son, Paul. Paul is still in the house. We forgot Paul. Paul's in there. You got to get him. Which every time I heard this story growing up, I was like, why did you remember Ruthie before you remember me? I know it's victim mentality. I'm getting out of it. I'm free in Jesus name. So dad comes back. He risks his life without even a thought that he might die. He went back into the house. He grabbed that door handle. The the door handle was so hot, it burned his skin. His contacts melted in his eyes. It was so hot. He was blind for three days because the contacts melted in his eyes. Began to fill through the smoke. Paul, Paul, where are you? I remember it vividly to this day. I can close my eyes and I'm right there. 1992. I'm in my house. I'm seven years old. I couldn't even make it out of my room. I had crawled on the floor because I was so hopeless and helpless and I couldn't figure out where I was. But I found the, the, the entrance of my room, the door frame, and I began to hold those door hinges. I was pulling them off as a seven-year-old. I was so scared. My nails had gone into the sides of that door hinge and I was just ripping it off the wall. The smoke was so bad. I was screaming, Dad, save me. God, save me. Mommy, save me. Somebody save me. I'm trapped in the fire. Save me. I was trapped. I was hopeless. I couldn't get out. I couldn't get myself out of that mess. I couldn't get myself out of that fire. 
I was trapped and I needed somebody to rescue me. And if you've ever been in a hopeless place before, you know what I'm talking about. If hope doesn't show up, you're dead. If hope doesn't pull you out of that, you are done. Some of us have been there before where you literally will die if hope doesn't show up. But my dad, I remember feeling his hand. I was wearing a Snoopy t-shirt to bed that night, just a big t-shirt. That's what I used to wear. And he grabbed that Snoopy t-shirt, Charlie Brown, and pulled me up. He said, I got you, Paul. I got you. I knew I was going to make it. We ran out of the house. He ran. He was holding me. We got out. Fire bursted through the windows, licked the ground. That house burned to the ground. We walked across the street. Four fire trucks showed up, three ambulances. They had six body bags. They were ready to take our whole family to the morgue. They thought we were all dead. We all were saved from the fire. Praise God. I was rescued. I was rescued by a volunteer fireman. It was my dad. He ran into a house on fire. That's what hope dealers do. They don't. They don't run away from the fire. They don't go, ah, that's terrible what's happening for that family. That's so sad what's happening to that guy. It's so bad. That person's caught in an addiction. I feel so bad for that product. They run and rescue people out of fires. That's what firemen do. They rescue. They risk their life. That's what hope dealers do is they go, we've got to get this hope to that person. We've got to save that person. That person's not in church. They're not doing well. They're not right. This past week, I was driving down the street, taking one of my kids to the doctor. We've had several kids sick. So I was taking one of the kids to the, uh, to the doctor and driving past 81st in Delaware, and this house catches on fire. And I see it just billowing with smoke. So I get ready to call, you know, 911 when all of a sudden a fire truck zooms past me, and I'm watching as these fire trucks pull up to this house. We were driving past the house right as they pulled up. And the wind was so strong, it blew the fire into the next house. Three houses caught on fire. So my boys, they're asking, you know, Dad, what are we going to do? I said, we just, we're going to stay back, let the firemen do their job. But he said, you know, Liam and, and Mac, they're like, well, we got to call someone. We got to help these families. Dad, you've been in a house fire. We got to help these. Maybe there's kids in there. So I start texting our team, hey, please get over there right now. Let's see what we can do to help them. And I'm taking one of the kids to the doctor, but then I'll come back to the house. I'll meet you there. As I'm texting our team, they go, Tachi's already there. One of our missions directors, our staff member, Tachi, she's there. She's the one who called the fire trucks. There was a nine-year-old boy who was home alone when the fire began. He ran out of the house and he was crying, saying, somebody, somebody help me. Tachi was there to let him sit in her car. She called 911 until his mom showed up. She was there to minister to this boy who was trapped in a fire. And by the way, we're going to help all of these families with their houses. As a church, victory is always on the front lines. We are a firehouse church. We are a hospital for the hurting. We are a hope dealer church. If you came looking for hope, you're in the right place. We're, help, we're helping them out with furniture. We're helping them out with places to stay. We're partnering with the Dream Center. We're working together to take care of those families. No one was killed, by the way. The fire didn't take out anybody. The mom showed up. She's in tears. Tachi began to pray for the mom. But you know, I just think about this is our, this is our heartbeat. God's heart beats for people, people, people. We don't do productions to entertain you. We don't do productions so that you go, oh, that was good. And you two thumbs up. We do it because there's people who may not come to church for a sermon. 
But they'll come for a production and maybe they'll get saved. Maybe like Amy, they're fighting an eating disorder and they're already saved, but they just need God to intervene in an area of their life where they're really hurting. And maybe they'll come to an altar and maybe I'll pray for a guy who's struggling with an addiction and maybe he'll get free or maybe you'll pray with them. And then maybe he'll get saved and maybe he'll start a connect group or go to discipleship class next year. And maybe 20 years down the road, He'll be our missions director or our kids pastor or our youth pastor. You never know. But here's what I do know. If we don't deal hope, the world will only get darker. We have hope. We have what they're looking for. And we've got to begin to share it with as many people as we can. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? I'm looking at some hope dealers in the room today. I'm looking at some people who've been rescued out of fires. How many of y'all have been rescued out of some of your own fires in your life? some stuff that if it wasn't for that person reaching out to you. But now I want to pray for you. If you don't mind, just bowing your head, closing your eyes. I promise I'll dismiss you in just a few minutes. But most important part of the service is the altar right here. If you're here today and you just say, man, I'm I'm kind of in a fire right now, Paul. I'm kind of in a season of discouragement. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's something you're going through right now and you don't know how you're going to get through it. You don't know how you're going to make it. But I'm telling you right now, the hope that we have in Jesus Christ is able to deliver you, to rescue you, to redeem you, to forgive you, to give you a bright hope, a bright future. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans that God has for you, plans to give you hope and a future. He's the God of all hope, and he's got hope for you. So before I challenge us to be hope dealers, I want to give you an invitation. If you need hope today, if you need your hope to be restored or you need a refill, maybe you just need to bring your cup down and just say, man, I just need a refill of God's hope in my life. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand up today. If you need God to do something in your heart, your life, if you need him to rescue you, forgive you, deliver you, redeem you, help you in some way, bring some hope, breathe some life into you. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. If you're feeling dry and overwhelmed, and a little bit empty and maybe weary or discouraged, I want you to lift your hand today. The God of all hope wants to give you joy and peace so that you would overflow with hope. Secondly, you're here today and you say, Paul, I'm not right with Jesus. I got to get right with Jesus. I need him to be Lord of my life. I want him to save me. I want to be forgiven. I want him to be Lord of my heart. If that's you, lift your hand up. Today's your day to receive it. Lastly, you're here and you go, honestly, I have the hope. I'm saved. I'm doing good, but I've not been sharing it. I've not been a bold witness. I've not been talking to people about Jesus. I've not been uh, reaching out or being an encourager to people that I know I need to reach out with and bring them to church, invite them to church, pray with them, lead them to Christ. If that's you, you just need boldness to be a witness boldness to share the good news to be a hope dealer i want you to raise your hand if you're just feeling convicted that there's some people you're called to reach in fact here's what i'm going to call this part of the altar call spiritual first responders that night my dad was a first responder before the first responders got there he was a volunteer he ran into a burning house some of you in this room you've been listening to this sermon and you know there are some people that are hurting They are in a house that's on fire, spiritually speaking. And God is stirring in your heart a courage to be a fireman, to be a police, to be an ambulance. And I'm not talking about physically, but spiritually, that you are called to go and share the good news with some people, that you are anointed and appointed. You're hospital workers. You're called to help. And I don't mean necessarily physically. I'm saying spiritually. You're called to help 
bring people to a place of healing, restoration, salvation. You're, you're, you're feeling an urgency to share the gospel, to be a hope dealer with some people that are in hopeless situations. If that's you, lift your hand up. I want to pray for those of you in the church that are just feeling that calling right now. If you raised your hand for any of those, would you join me at this altar? I want to cheer on brave men, brave women, boys and girls, moms and dads, grandparents, college students, singles, divorce, whatever season of life you're in, come down to this altar today. God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with your family, with your son, with your daughter, with your husband, with your wife, with your dad, with your mom, whoever it is, God's stirring in your heart, just a heart of evangelism, a heart of hope, a heart of sharing the hope with others. And as you come to this altar, we're just gonna sing. We're just gonna let the Holy Spirit begin to stir in our hearts. Just that, that, that same heart that Jesus had for people. Go ahead, let's just sing this to the Lord. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for hope, hope being restored, strength, boldness in Jesus' name, courage in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, Lord, that you called them. Yeah, show me how to love like you've loved me. Show me how to love people the way you've loved me, God. Break my heart. Break my heart for God loves you. He's with you. He's for you. He's got a purpose and a plan this week. He's giving you courage. He's going to lead you. He's going to guide you. He's filling you with hope. Overflow. Overflow in Jesus' name. He's not done with your story. Heal my heart, God. Heal my heart and make it up inside you as we sing this out Hosanna Hosanna he's your king he's your God he's your savior he's your deliverer he's rescued you he's redeemed you he's renewing you he's reviving you he's reminding you who he is in your life who he is in your life he's your source he's your strength he's your hope he's called you to reach people with his hope He's going to give you courage and strength. He's going to give you boldness.
He's coming soon, church. He's coming soon. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the I want us to do something. If you're a believer in the room, would you just turn around and face this room? If you're in the back row or the front, I want you to stretch your hands out over this whole auditorium. As we go into this Christmas season, we're just praying that every empty seat represents someone's life that's going to be impacted with the love of Jesus, the healing power of Jesus. They're going to get saved. They're going to find hope. They're going to find family. They're going to get reconnected in the family of God. Lord, we just pray over every empty seat. I pray, God, that you bring back prodigal sons and daughters, the addicts, those that are out on the streets, God, from the highways to the byways, the rich and the poor the down and out, the up and in, the least, the last, the lost. We call them in from the north, south, east, and west. And we just pray, God, that every invitation, whether it's online or in person, God, that people would tune in. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, hearts would be open to receive your love, your message for their life. God, that they would find you this Christmas. Lord, that you would find them through us. Use us, God, to share your good news with people. I pray, God, those that are struggling, those, God, that just feel like quitting, throwing in the towel, God, that as they come, they would find life again. Lord, that hope would interrupt their plans of defeat and discouragement. God, that Jesus, you would interrupt their plans, God, of wanting to quit. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, you would use us, God, to be your hands and your feet your mouthpiece. God, that we would speak what you want to speak. Lord, that we would carry your heartbeat for our city, for our state, for our nation, for the world, God, for the people in our backyard, for the people right here in our own neighborhood. I pray, Lord Jesus, that our hearts would be in tune with your voice this week. Now just turn this way and just put your hand on your heart. And if you would, just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender to you. I receive your hope, your healing your power, your grace for my life. I repent of sin and I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the grave. You are my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me, rescuing me. Now I will share it with others. I will be a hope dealer. I'll bring your light, your love, your message to the people I encounter. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, friends, so glad you're watching the message today. I pray it encourages you and inspires you and reminds you of how good God is and his plan for your life. Hey, I wanted to come to you right after the sermon. I'm sitting in my car and this is very candid, but I wanted to let you know about something important and special coming up, and that is our year-end offering. This is a time where we bring something above and beyond our tithe to the Lord as a church, and we give it towards missions and outreach, what we're doing to reach the world with God's love. Last year when we did this, so many people were impacted. It was a powerful moment in our church service, but we wanted to invite our online members to be a part of this, whether you're watching on YouTube, on podcast, on the app, that you can join in with this. You can do it right there online, victory.com. You can give your offering that weekend. It's gonna go right towards reaching people with the message. 
as a result of your generosity last year and this year, we were able to impact 7 million plus people with the gospel. And we were able to lead 164,168 people to Christ. We believe that God has an even greater harvest for us to reach this upcoming year. Throughout this year, your generosity has made an eternal impact on lives in our community and around the world. As a church, we've been able to fund global missions projects such as disaster relief in Ukraine and food distribution in Belize. We've provided scholarships for orphan children to attend school in Honduras and support for kids in Brazil at the Life Impact International Children's Center. We've helped the Tulsa Girls Home bring hope, shelter, and healing to teen girls placed in foster care. This year, we've also seen the expansion of Victory Bible Schools and continue to support our VLN missionaries around the world. These are just a few of the many global and local projects we financially supported as a church. Our monthly reach days and benevolence outreaches have ministered to many people right here in our community. Together with our volunteers, we've provided everything from household needs and furniture giveaways to winter clothing and backpacks to those in need in the greater Tulsa area. Your giving has helped send disaster relief teams to Kentucky and Florida, bringing hope and meeting practical needs in the wake of natural disasters. During this year's local and global missions trips, our missionary teams have served people in need and shared the gospel in Belize, Costa Rica, Brazil, Kentucky, Florida, and Alabama. So many families have been impacted, just like Rachel, a single mom of 12 who received furniture and household needs for her children. So I have 12 children total. Um, 10 adopted out of foster care, one biological child, and then one foster child that aged out of the system in my home. And I just appreciate everything so much. One of the kids said it's like a whole new house. And the, one of the twins said, I feel like I'm dreaming and I hope I don't wake up. <laughs> so we are all very grateful. Thank you, Victory, so much. We appreciate everything. Through your generosity to our Build This House campaign, we have made great progress with each project. At the Tulsa Dream Center, the pool and splash pad project was completed this year and is providing aquatic activities for families in North Tulsa. Out at Camp Victory, we've completed two projects to maintain excellence on the campgrounds, and construction has begun on the next phase of projects to serve families year-round. The new Victory security gates have provided an added layer of security to help ensure a safe environment for our kids and families who attend throughout the week. This holiday season, we've been able to provide food, community, and gifts through our Friendsgiving outreaches and Christmas toy drive, in addition to supporting global Christmas outreaches. Together, we've impacted 7,089,152 people and have seen 164,168 salvations so far this year. We believe that we will continue to make an impact together and reach even more people as we finish out this year. Thank you, Victory. Your generosity is making a difference in the lives of others. Let's finish this year strong and continue reaching people with the love of Jesus.